Abba Father, trusting in the merits and saving grace of thy Son, our Savior and Redeemer, Jesus Christ, we become before thee to ask grace and loving mercy during the hours of this day. Should temptation assail us, we ask for strength to resist them successfully. Should evil attack us, may thy grace strengthen us to fight and a bold fight for the right. May we hold ourselves as valiant soldiers of the cross, thoroughly furnished to all good works. May our ears be open to the cry of the weak and suffering and our hearts be ready to respond to every appeal from one of thy suffering ones. And may we be enabled to minister to others in the name as thy servant. Let the close of this day find us in the path of duty and grant that in rendering loving service to others, we may realize a blessing as having rendered the service to thee. View with compassion our many weaknesses and faults and touch us with a consecrating power that we may be able to stand in the evil day and to render worthy and acceptable service as faithful servants of Jesus Christ, in whose name we ask all these blessings. Amen. Now, Lord, I ask you to continue to show me the things you want me to see. So when I speak, Master, it will be only those things you want me to say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And praise the Lord. Okay. Today's message is coming out of Psalms 1. And the title is, The Lord's Blessings Upon the Righteous. And we're going to do all of... Uh, this chapter, Psalms 1, and it reads as, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly or the wicked, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law do he meditate day and night. Now that word meditate means ponder on day and night. And he should be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the shaft which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Praise the Lord. Okay, this is a good, good psalm. I, I quote it often about, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. And now we need to recognize ungodly is not just unbelievers. And we also need to recognize this, is, this song is about believers. Amen? All of the 150 Psalms point to Christ. Isn't that interesting? And it's in the Old Testament. That's why I'm saying Christ was in the beginning. <laughs> he didn't just show up in the New Testament, okay? So all of the songs uh, uh, point to Christ with the exception of the parts that point to the evil one and his followers, which are just warnings for the believers, okay? 
Now, the gospel proclaims the acts of Christ, but the Psalms portray his heart in his atoning and intercessory work. That's, that's good news. Because if it says that it portrays the heart of God in his atoning, which means he delivers us, he redeems us, and he frees us from sin and death, okay? And the intercessory work, which means Jesus is continuously interceding on our behalf to the Father. That should be comforting news to you. Because you can't always depend on another human being praying for you or even knowing how to pray for you. This is why a lot of times when people give, give a situation and they say, pray for me, I don't want to always hear the whole thing. Sometimes I just say, that's okay, I'll just pray. I'll let the Holy Spirit lead me and guide me. Because we can, we can bring something out that is, is pointed to, to our desires more than what God's will is. Amen. And, and so sometimes what you are expecting isn't what God intends. And so we need to be praying God's will opposed to our own desires. Amen. And so uh, the songs is really worship in a poetic form. That's why I love the book of Psalms. And most of the prayer petitions come from the book of Psalms. Okay. Because it is pure worship, but in a poetic form. Worship is coming from the heart, the honesty, the openness of the heart, not your Christian church experiences or abilities. Amen? It's supposed to come from the heart. So what we're going to notice in this chapter, the key word in this song is bless. And bless here means prosper or happy. Okay, it also tells of the consequences of our behavior, or should I say choices, that results in unrighteous behavior. So this is a weight between righteous, which is blessed, or unrighteous, which is cursed. Amen? Okay, so going back to verse 1 again, blessed is the man, happy is the man, prosper is the man, that walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. Now let me tell you, when you hear that phrase, the first thing you think about is unbelievers. We can be Christians and be ungodly. And so (laughs) when you don't walk in that kind of counsel, he's saying you are going to prosper and you're going to be happy, okay? And when you see the word walk in that, it means that you are following those ways. I don't mean where you go in and out. I mean that you are continuously moving in that di- direction. When, when you're walking things through, that, and, and also that is a, 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 what, an open decision that you made to do. Amen? Amen? So it's really kind of from a spirit of rebellion. Amen. He says, nor stand it in the way of sinners. Well, see, that's a conscious act. Is your posse from your past is who you still hang out with now? 
Or do you have another group of people that you hang out with now? Okay, so that you are not standing in the wrong way, in the way of sinners. Or sitting in the seat of the scornful. Now, scornful is, is, means to have dislike that turns to contempt or derision. That's what scornful means, okay? So if you're sitting in that seat, ooh, you're discontented all the time. And when we get in the place of error, it's very difficult to decide and decipher what's right and what's true. Because sin is blinding and it drives you crazy. Okay? So we have to be very, very careful about our choices and who we choose to be in the company of and how we also interact with these people. And I'm saying this is because as believers, see, we, as believers, we go from one extreme to the other. Because as believers, we're like, you won't work any place where uh, they're, they're not all Christians. <laughs> and you're not going to go around people who are not a Christian and all of that. We're supposed to be the light in the darkness. And you can't be hiding up under the bed. It's just that you can't go in places that you know you haven't been totally free from. Because God is still working in those areas, and, he, and, and until he frees you from it, you can't go back because the whole purpose of being there is to be a testimony about who Jesus is and what he's done for you. Because, see, they're going to remember from where you were when you used to hang out, so when you go back now, change, they are going to see it. Because let me tell you, when you're walking in the way, the aura about Jesus is all over you. You don't even have to say a whole lot. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 We have to be cautious about decisions that we make as to where we're going to go, what we're going to do. That is going to glorify your Lord, edify others, and sanctify you. Amen. Amen. Now, when you talk about uh, scornful, let me go over to Lamentations 2, and verses 6 through 7, and we talk about when God scorned his people, which you don't even really think about. Yes, he did. And that's because the worship was not pure. Okay, Lamentations uh, chapter 2, and we're going to read verses six and seven and it says and he had violently taken away his tabernacle this is this is what God was doing as if it were of a garden he have destroyed his places of the assembly the Lord have caused the solemn feast and Sabbaths to be forgotten in Zion now remember Zion represents his covenant people and have despised in the, in the nation of his anger the king and the priests, which all rep represent part of that worship. You know, the priests went before uh, God to represent the people for forgiveness. Amen. The king is the rule. The Lord have cast off his altar. He have abhorred his sanctuary, have given up into the hand of the enemy the walls of her palaces. They have made a noise in the house of the Lord as in the day 
of a solemn feast. God destroyed the worship because of his people's unfaithfulness to him. Amen. Give us ears to hear and a heart to receive what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Because you see, when your worship is not humble and pure, it is a snitched in his nostrils. Amen. And your worship, what I'm talking about right now, I'm not talking about the praise and worship event. That's only a part of it. I'm talking about your walk in life. You're serving God in every aspect. It should be from a humble heart, a humble spirit, with the intent of serving God because you love him not to be seen by people. Or not to impress people. But because you love him, you've committed your way to serve him in the way that he has gifted you. See, he gives us spiritual gifts and talents. And they are to glorify his name. And so when you make that decision decision to serve him, you're doing it because you love the Lord. Not because you want to impress other folks who don't have a heaven or hell to put you in. And what they think and matter don't matter at the end of the day. Amen. And so when God sees that what we're doing is not out of the purity of our heart because we love him, he's not pleased with that. You may be, but he's not. Other people may be, but he's not pleased with that. Amen. Okay, we'll go back over to Psalms 1. What we need to understand, the psalm is about God's people and not the world. This Psalms 1 is about God's people. It's not about the world, okay? And it should be because we are his people by salvation, but we have to grow in him and become disciple in him by his word. So and when we study his word, it brings understanding to our hearts and our minds so that we can understand what is right and what is pleasing to God as well as what is safe for us. Amen? We look at the works, but God ponders the heart. See, brokenness causes bitterness. When it hasn't been released, and when you aren't humbled, then the Holy Spirit do not have your permission to heal your soul. See, so many people think that God's just going to come in and do some stuff because he's God. Oh, he could, but he's a God of order. And so he, he's not going to do anything that he's not welcome in to do. Just because you know he can, don't mean he will. Amen. Or he has, okay? So you have to give permission. And how you give permission to the Holy Spirit, it's not verbal. It's by your humility. Because he knows that you are seeking a greater way. You no longer want to be the way you used to be. You're seeking to be like he created you to be, like Jesus came back and shed his blood on the cross to redeem you to be. And because of that, now he's free to have his will and his way in you. And and that permission will allow him to heal your soul so that his truth can penetrate and produce good fruit. 
because however the condition of your soul is, is the kind of fruit that's going to be produced. Amen. And, and so when he says, verse 2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. You know, do y'all know what the law is? Do you know what the law of the Lord is? It is his word. Meditate on Psalms 119. All through it is telling you about his law and his word. Okay? And the results when you follow it. So he says, that the righteous person delight in the law of the Lord, and in his law doeth he meditate day and night. Why? Because if we don't have it before us on a regular basis, you don't know how and what you should be doing. I don't don't care if you got all kinds of degrees in theology, and you read this Bible all the way through from Genesis to Revelation. We are a working wonder. And God is working on you all the time. And it doesn't stop until Jesus returns. You have not arrived. And you will not arrive on this side of heaven. But you have the responsibility to be working out your own salvation. And you can't work your salvation out without the word of God. And that's why he tells us we have to meditate on it day and night in order for your salvation to be worked out. Don't think that because you made that confession. I'm going to say this until he comes back and get me. Don't think because you made that confession. I believe you died for my sin. Don't think you have arrived. You just went through the door. Now the work begins. And that means you got to work out your salvation in fear and trembling. And you have to know what God is saying about who you are. Hallelujah. This is why I usually tell new converts up under our ministry, read John, Romans, and Hebrews before you start trying to read the Bible. Why? Because you need to know who you are, whose you are, and why you are. And when you understand that, then you can understand the revelation in the rest of the book. Amen? We don't need to have our focus on how much of a scholar we are in the Word. You need to focus on how much are you hearkening to what God is saying about who you are. That's Christianity. The other is religion. And religion don't save you. Okay? So he says, I want you to meditate on the word day and night. That's the representative of a righteous person. And, and, And when you do that, he said, you should be like a tree planted by rivers of water and and that river means channels (laughs) of water let me tell you the word like works like water on you it's a washing and a cleansing and so he says that you would be like a tree planted by the channels of water where the the water it is is nourishing the root of the tree is refreshing it is restoring it, is keeping it. And so you when you when you go to that 
to the word, it restores what's been messed up. It renews. It informs. It helps you to stay on course, to keep on moving. Amen. And, and if you're not getting fed that way, you cannot grow in the things of Christ. And guess what? After the water nourish it, it says that it will bring forth his fruit in his season. We all have a due season. And they're not all the same season. Hallelujah, Jesus. But you do have a due season. And when you stay focused on what you need to be focused on and have your eyes on the right person, your due season will come and you won't miss it because you will have a due season. It's coming regardless whether you know it or not. But the problem is, are you going to miss it when it arrives? Because if you miss your due season when it arrives, don't think you'll pick up where you left off at and just keep on moving and that season comes back around. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. When you miss that due season, he has to pull you back to the beginning. Let's start this thing all over again. And you'll be like, why, God, when? When is it going to happen? And he's like, get in step. Get on board. I had a due season for you. But now you got to wake, because why? God is a God of principles and precepts. And when we come out of this summer season, we're not going into another summer. We're going into fall. And certain seasons bring forth certain operations. Okay? So fall is the time that you are planting and preparing. Amen? So you're going to have to go through all those seasons to get back to the season of reaping. Okay, that's why you don't want to miss it. You want to be open. Don't be in such a big hurry. Don't move before it's time. Seek God, because we don't know. You know, God created us to have intellect and a will so we can make decisions. But he says, I put before you both life and death, but choose life. So when I choose life, I choose to surrender my way to him so that he can endow me with wisdom and then wisdom and I'm keep on seeking wisdom through his word. Then he will give me some knowledge and that knowledge will then bring understanding to my mental capacity so that I can operate according to his will and not my way. Amen. 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 And so it says, I'm still in three, that you're going to bring forth your fruit in the right season. And guess what? Your leaf should never wither. So you, the leaf on the tree kind of tells you the condition of the trees, right? Whether it's healthy and it's nourishing and all of that. Remember when, when Jesus went to the um, olive tree and he cursed it because it wasn't producing in his, in his time? which represented his children of Israel being disobedient and not being faithful. See, God has a problem with our faithfulness yeah. more than anything else. Yeah. Amen. And so you don't, you, you, you don't want your leaf to wither. You want it to stay where it's letting you know you're doing good. Yeah. You're in order. You're in step. Don't falter. Don't waver. 
because now whatever you do shall prosper. This is the word. Y'all looking at me. This is the word. <laughs> Amen. Okay. Well, I want to read, before I go any further, I want to read the commentary out of David Jeremiah's book concerning the uh, first three verses that I've already read, which is really good. Jeremiah's commentary says, the word blessed means happy or in with joy and theirs. Uh, an explanation of a strong emotion, it results from deep reflection on a subject. The psalmist paints a picture of the gravitational pull of evil. The counsel of the ungodly refers to advice that encourages people to live evil lives without concern for righteousness or obedience to God. Amen. It says the ungodly move from counsel to walking on the path to sitting into the seat as they embrace an evil way of life. The image here, I'm in verse 3 now, is of a tree nourished by the constant supply of water from the river. The Hebrew word suggests the attributes, listen to this, of strength, stability, and endurance. Those are the traits of righteous men. I'm going to say them again. Strength, stability, and endurance. Now, these are some very important words. Because, see, when you are stable and you are enduring the hard times, just like the good times, Amen. it builds up your strength. Amen? This is what God is expecting from his folks. Supplies of grace drawn from the word of God are what sustain godly people. They put down roots in scripture and draw strength from it from their lives. For, I'm sorry, for their lives. Those who are deeply planted in God's word may not be wealthy, but they will be fruitful in God's work, which is true prosperity. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. That's how I received it too, Janice. <laughs> when, when I heard this, okay. <laughs> now, it says, um, four, the ungodly are not so, which means they're not like the, the righteous that was explained in verse, th verse three, okay, but are like the shaft, which the wind driveth away. So they're not stable. They're not rooted. They're not grounded. Any bit of wind, whoop, just takes them up. Amen. Amen. He says, therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation with the righteous. Now, let me tell you what that means. The ungodly will not be able to handle or escape the judgment of God. That's what it means. Okay. And the congrega congregation of the righteous, these are God's people whose faith is reflected by their delight in God's word and live according to it, okay? See, in the day of judgment, the wicked will not be left standing with those who love God and strive to obey God. They will be separated and sentenced to eternal punishment. 
because the wages of sin is death. The ways of a man seem right to him, but God ponders the heart. Amen. And in, in verse 6 it says, For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. In other words, God remembers you when you walk in righteousness. You know, the Lord knows everything. But it means he doesn't forget who you are. But he's going to punish the wicked. Amen? I'm, I'm going to read for that one. I'm going to read out of my Bible commentary. It says, the Psalms forms an appropriate introduction to the Psalter since it was set before the readers, uh, readers, the three characters who will figure mostly in the Psalms, that is, the righteous, the ungodly, and God. <laughs> Those are the primary actors. The righteous, the ungodly, and God. The good news is God is in between the two. <laughs> Amen. And when we keep our eyes on the prize, even if you fall, you will not be utterly cast down. You will rise up again. That's the kind of God that we serve. He's, he is, let me tell you, we need to get out of the mindset like we're so perfect because we know him and that we walk in perfect perfection. No. The good news is this is basic training. You are striving to get where you're going to be when he comes back for you. But what you need to be like David when you mess up to be quick to say, forgive me, for I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. And he will cleanse you from all unrighteousness, dust you off, put you back on your feet, and raise you up again. Satan is the one that wants to keep you down under, condemned, and, 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 and always bringing up your evil faults so that you won't rise above it because you think, oh, God, I never, I never, I never. No. It's not you. You can rise, but it's him. No, you can't do it, but he can do it. That's why you keep your eyes on him to bring you up. Amen. Amen. And so we need, to, we, we need to realize the righteous receives blessings, benefits, and promises here on earth. But he doesn't reap all that he sows until he reaches eternity with Christ. See, we're looking for all of the blessings that's going to make us feel good. Now, we want everything now. We're more consumed and concerned about our emotions and our bodies now that don't mess up and miss the real reward. Amen? See, he, he made some promises, and he said, I'm going to bless you. But guess what? Those promises and those blessings is to equip, equip you to do what he has put you here to do. To manifest his glory here on earth. They're not about you. We just get blessed in the process. Amen. But it's all about him. Amen. So we, so we get the ultimate reward in the kingdom of eternity with him. Because you don't want to mess up and be like the wicked 
which he will remember no more, and no one else will remember them, nor all of their little, good, their little deeds that they plowed and sowed. Because even the wicked do some good stuff sometimes. But they will not be remembered no more, and all that they've done will not be remembered anymore, and they shall spend eternity in hell with their father. So who is the father that you're following? Amen. But in all of this, did I read six? For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the, of the ungodly shall perish. Okay, I'll read it again. <laughs> for the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Okay, well, okay, let's define righteous. Because, you know, we have our, our opinions about stuff, but I have some answers from my Bible dictionary. Okay, and it begins with the Old Testament. The Old Testament defines righteous as good morals, and especially compared to one's counterparts, which means the world's morals is not yours Amen. unless they're following God's. Amen? Okay, another uh, definition is just and right. Just and right, and it uses David as the example. Well, David is just because he had, he had faith in God, and he was able to always make his sins right because he was easy to confess and repent. Amen? Amen? Faithfulness to God. Hosea. Hosea was the perfect little temple or example of uh, faithfulness because God made Hosea marry and fall in love with a prostitute who was sinning and was going to continue to sin against her husband, but he, but he had to love her into the kingdom because he was like a, a, a prototype of Jesus. You know, Jesus came and suffered and married to us knowing that we are sinners and we will sin, but he still sacrificed his, his life and his blood and everything for us to give us a way out of sin and hold on to us until we awaken and come up out of that sin. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Another one is covenant obligation. And they use Jeremiah, Habakkuk, and Ezekiel. These are all um, prophets of the Old Testament to show righteous, I mean, covenant obligation. God calls us to do work in the ministry because we're in covenant with him and those are obligations. And you may not like what you have to do sometimes. You may not even agree with it. It is not your call. You don't get to make that decision. It is for the Lord. And But when you obey and follow through, you come to have great peace and joy because nothing gives you no more joy than to be in right standing with God even if your mind don't agree. Amen. 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 And I know this from personal experiences because if, if I didn't do it out of just an obligation, there are some things I would not even be doing today. Amen. Amen. And when we obey God, God shows himself strong in your life and in the area where he has you working that you feel like, 
Well, why do I have to do that? Yes. Okay. Wisdom. Job, Ecclesiastics, and Proverbs. Now, Job was a man of wisdom because his end, the latter turned out to be greater than the former because of wisdom. Because what he, why I say wisdom? Because he could have cursed God and died. But he seeked to understand why things were happening the way they were happening rather than, oh, poor me. <laughs> and, and what kind of God is this? You know, I hear, uh, um, what can I call these people? No, cults, cause they don't, but they don't know it. They're in certain religions. They don't even know that it's a cult. And so they come up and say, well, what kind of God would punish you? What kind of God would send you, send you to hell? Well, God didn't send us to hell. We sent ourselves to hell. Amen. But it's a just God that allow you to go to hell for your sins. <laughs> and to be punished, okay? So, so you, I, like I said, we were given a will where we could make a decision. He don't force us. Satan forces you in a corner. But he doesn't do that. So you get to make a decision. And so that's... And when we choose God, we are choosing wisdom, the way of wisdom. And so I call Ecclesiastics and Proverbs as the wisdom books. That's what I call them, okay. Obviously, they do too, because they also said it in the uh, Bible dictionary. <laughs> uh, another word is honest. Now, all the rest of these traits are coming out of the book of Proverbs. So you can write the scriptures down. I'm going to give you the scriptures so that you can search them afterwards. Honest, Proverbs 10, 20, and chapter 13, 5. 10, 20, and 13, 5. Generous, Proverbs 21, 36. Steadfast, chapter 11, verse, verses 8 through 10. 11, verses 8 through 10, steadfast. And courageous, 12, 7, and 18, 10. 12, 7, and 1810 for courageous. Merciful, 1210, 1210. And just, 297 and 319. 297 and 319. These are characteristics of a righteous man. And that man, that terminology is used generically as for all of God's people. Also, it says in the Old Testament, a covenant righteousness is a covenant keeper, one committed to God and living justly among his people. Why? Because we have to be the example. We can't just talk the talk. We got to walk the walk. Amen. Amen. In the Psalms, righteousness sometimes denote what is right, which means the righteous person might experience God's blessings or afflictions, some of which are divine in their origin. See, we have this thought that because I'm serving God and I'm doing what's right, nothing is going to come upon me. Some of those afflictions come to perfect you. Okay? They're just making, making us better. I, I, I think that era with that name it and claiming it, and, 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 and if things aren't always going right, you've sinned and all of that has messed up the body of Christ. 
where we don't recognize you will have to go through some stuff sometime. Everything is not, well, let's just kind of, let's make it just simple common sense. We don't have to even go through biblical doctrine. If God says the just must live by faith, and, and if you don't live by faith, you sin, and, and it's so important that we live by faith, well, why should we have to endure problems? If everything was supposed to be just perfect, we wouldn't have to live by faith. There's no need to live by faith. That's why we have to live by faith, because we have to choose between what's there present for us and how to become an overcomer in spite of what is going on, knowing that God has it in the ultimate, at the, at the very end, he, he will have this. But what, what the enemy is trying to do in the meanwhile, he, God is going to work it for the good. Amen. Amen. And that's why we have to have our faith in Christ, knowing that he's going to work the end. That's why he says the end is going to be greater than the former, than the beginning. Because in between, then you have come across and come against some things that is improving who you are. And it's teaching you how to stand in spite of it and you and everything else. Amen. And, And thank God that our faith don't have to be in people, stuff, yeah. money, yeah. none of that. Yeah. It's all in Christ. Yeah. You don't have to put it in anything kernel, natural, or that can go be destroyed. Amen. It's in Jesus Christ, which means you never lose. Yeah. You may not get what you thought you wanted, yeah. <laughs> but you're not going to lose. Because God says, I know the thoughts I have towards you. And those are thoughts of hope and a future. And we, with our carnal thinking, can't even see beyond those points. That's all of us. I don't care what initials are behind your name in the pulpit. That covers every living soul that says yes to Jesus Christ. Amen. A righteous man is grounded in the character of God. In the character of God. So that means that's where we need to have our focus. Amen. Amen. The Lord strips away a formed character. What I mean, a character that's been developed by our environment, by uh, family members, parents, the lack thereof, education, all of these things will form a certain character in us that was not planned by God. This is why we have to go through so much deliverance. Amen? Because things have been messed up. Okay? But the good news is when you come to Jesus Christ, he begins to strip you from all of that stuff that was planted and formed on you. And, 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 and especially, especially the stuff that you think is okay and is right because you inherit it or because you've been acting like it for all of your days and now you're a senior citizen. <laughs> a 
so it's like, well, that's what, that's who I am. That's what I've been doing. That's not who you are. That's who you be, have become, but that's not who God created you to be. And you need to wake up before he comes to get you. So he strips away all of that formed character, and then he begins to dress us with his character, which is the fruit of his spirit. Now, the good news is, if he would just strip us completely, we would die. You couldn't handle the pressure. So he does it one mess at a time to add one fruit at a time which is a lifetime of change. So don't think you have arrived because you've had a couple deliverances. (laughs) You have no clue how much more you got to be delivered from. But if, if, if you get in God's face, you'll know you still got some stuff you got to be delivered from. And you need to be crying out to God, reveal it to me, Lord, show me, so I can surrender my way unto you. (laughs) Now, in the New Testament, it says, all God's revealed will in Jesus' teaching is righteousness. That's what the New Testament is all about. And the supporting scripture for that is Matthew 6, 33, and John 16, 8 through 10. It says that all of God's revealed will through Jesus' teaching is righteousness. Jesus and the Holy Spirit is revealed as righteous. This is why we need the Holy Spirit. I I just don't understand why people get caught up with about the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Jesus comes into our hearts at salvation and he changes our heart. But remember, your soul is still messed up. And that's a work that has to be done that you can't do. No other human being can do it. You can go in the prayer line and get anointed and lay out all you want to, but unless the Holy Spirit is working in you, nothing is going to happen. You have to want his spirit and want that change. And the Holy Spirit comes in us to fill us you know it's like when we get saved think of a of 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 a skeleton or uh uh, x-ray that's been put up and when we get get saved the holy spirit comes into our heart and so you have this die right here in the heart and then you say holy spirit infill me so that i can walk this christian life and that dye begins to flow all through your whole being. It spreads all through your whole being, okay? Which means when you need comfort, when you need guidance, when you need a new sense of direction, when, when you need to be soothed, when, when you got to walk a new path, whatever it is, the Holy Spirit is there and it's moving and it's pulling and it's drawing amen and we're not always in tune to what he's doing most times until after the fact amen but the fact is he's there and because he's there and you have welcomed him there he will not let you be ignorant long (laughs) 
or be ignorant of the devices of Satan that will bring destruction. Amen. And so uh, we need to be asking for the Holy Spirit um, and, and to show you the evidence that he is present in you. Now, Paul writes more than any other writer in the New Testament about the idea of righteousness. That's why I love Paul's writings, because that's basically what he's, what he's writing about, righteousness. Amen? Romans and Corinthians speaks, uh, I'm still telling you what my Bible dictionary, in case y'all want to think that this is my idea, okay? Romans and Corinthians speaks of righteousness to those who exercise faith in Christ by offering up your members continuously to God. The word members means your senses, your body, which how you receive, okay? Why do you have to offer up your members? Because this is how you learn how to be in self-control. You, are, you can't self-control yourself. Amen. <laughs> it's when you've learned how to discipline those things and give it over to God that you come into self-control. Amen. So how do you do that? By putting on the whole armor of God. Putting on the whole armor. When we talk about the armor, every piece is the word of God. Okay. Fleeing youthful lust. Now the word youthful does not necessarily mean age. It means before Christ. Because <laughs> anything that we were doing before Christ, it was like we were children in ignorance. Okay? So flee the lust that you have learned, have acquired, and, and it's become a part of you. Flee it in the name of Jesus. Amen? Call on God from a pure heart. What did that mean? Humbleness. That your heart is humbled. That was, that's what it means to be pure to be humble, because if you're not humble, the Holy Spirit can't work his fruit in you to purify what has become contaminated. So you call on God to uh, give you a pure heart so that you can pursue righteousness. We were marked righteous by Jesus' blood, but we can only walk in it because we're pursuing it. We tend to think that we are because he said. But if you're not walking in it, you're walking outside of your name. You're walking outside of your name. If he says you're righteous, you know, when we come to Jesus, he changes our name. Praise the Lord, because some of these names. But anyway, he changes our name. <laughs> and, he, and he starts calling us stuff that, that be not as though it were, okay? So he calls us righteous, redeemed. But the more you say it, this says, let the redeem of the Lord say so. The more you say it, the more you walk into it. Because what you're, when you're saying it, you're saying, do it, Lord, do it. Amen. Amen. That's why it's important to say those things and not just sit up and just wait for him to slam dunk you and bring a change. You, you know, that's, that's why you have problems with receiving the Holy Spirit. Because, see, you just think the Holy Spirit is just going to come over you, and you're going to be like, oh, oh y'all didn't you know, go through all of this stuff. That, come on. The Holy Spirit is coming in to, to change your character, to become more like him. Okay. In the, in, um, in the book of James, 
the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. In the book of James, the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God, but the prayer of a righteous man does achieve much. That's James 5, 16. Amen? Amen. Okay, I am going to climax by reading Psalms 139. Now, I pray that you receive some stuff that's going to help you uh, be who Christ have created you to be or come into the knowledge of who you're supposed to be so that he can continue to walk you in that path. So I wanted to climax with, is it calling here to you guys? Yes. <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting two different opinions. <laughs> okay, well, Holy Spirit, come in here and warm us up. Set us on fire. Burn out the junk that's in us. Cleanse our souls. <laughs> so we can have a Holy Ghost revival in here. Awaken your people, Jesus. <laughs> okay, y'all want to follow through with me on Psalms 139? Because I, I think this is a good climax, and this is something that we should be praying and seeking God for. Oh, Lord, thou have searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsetting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compass my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it all together. Thou hast beset me behind or enclosed me behind and before and laid thy hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Whether shall I go from thy spirit or whether can I go from thy spirit or whether can I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Hallelujah, Jesus. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. For thou hast possessed or formed my rings, Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. In other words, my inner parts. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well, or knoweth very well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret, and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, or skillfully made, this is when the world and the parents and everything else jacked you up, okay? Thy eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, mm, and in thy book all my members was written, which in continuous were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. In other words, this confirms what Jeremiah says. I know the thoughts I have towards you. So even though the world and everything else skillfully messed me up, yeah. he is saying 
you knew me even in my imperfection and you had a plan for me. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Jesus. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. Mm. When I awake, I am still with thee. Praise the Lord. That's something we can shout the victory today. When you woke up, you woke up today living. You need to be, if, if, if y'all can't think of nothing else to praise and when you come in here doing worship, it ought to be the fact that you woke up and you could drive and walk into this building. You, but stuff that we just take for granted and move and flow on our, on our own without any cons consideration that God's grace allow you to open your eyes and walk today. Surely thou will slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men, blood guilty men. But they speak against thee wickedly, and thy enemies take thy name in vain. Now, I remember reading this before, and one lady's like, oh, we're not supposed to hate. Get out of here with that religion. Do not I hate them, yeah. O Lord, that hate thee. You're supposed to hate that that is evil and wicked that comes against God. Yes, Am not I grieved with those that rise up against thee? Because he's talking about the spirit of darkness. He's not Amen. talking about your relatives. Who oh, some of them are controlled by the spirit of darkness. <laughs> I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O oh God. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Yes, Try me and know my thoughts. You asking God to reveal these things yes, to you. Yes. And see if there be any wicked way in me. Yes. And then lead me yes. in the way yes. everlasting. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Traveling mercies when you leave this place to go to your next destination. And when you leave, tell somebody about Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.